Hello and welcome to the Art of the Cut podcast, brought to you in partnership with Boris FX and our sponsor, Jump Desktop. I'm Steve Hallfish. I'm a working film and TV editor. For the last eight years, I've done more than 360 interviews with the world's best editors. I've been using Boris FX products for more than 20 years, and I'm proud to partner with them to bring you great filmmaking content. Today on Art of the Cut, we talk with Monica Villi about her work on Kate Blanchett's new film, Tar. Monica is based in Vienna, Austria, and has won numerous film editing awards throughout Europe. Her editing work includes the features The White Ribbon, Amour, Funny Games, and she directed and edited the documentary Untitled, which won the Austrian Film Award for Best Documentary. She also edited the TV series Funeral for a Dog. Before we hop into our discussion with Monica, a brief thank you to our sponsors. Jump Desktop is a high-performance and secure app that lets you virtually connect to your editing bay as if you were physically there. Keep all your assets in one place and connect to your powerful editing bays from anywhere. Jump Desktop's high-performance remote desktop protocol lets you edit from any low-powered laptop. With end-to-end encryption, native support for macOS and Windows, and multi-monitor support, you can be productive from anywhere. Jump Desktop also has collaborative screen sharing for collaboration with your team. See what thousands of editors have been using to get their work done from across the world. Visit jumpdesktop.com cut to begin your free No Limits 14-day trial today. And to our partner, Boris FX. I've been using Boris FX and Sapphire for more than 20 years, so they're not just a sponsor to me. I feel like they've been a partner in my cutting room for decades, helping me to deliver on the creative vision of my clients, directors, and producers. For all of us, our work is about bringing a creative idea to the screen, and for me, Boris FX is one of the important tools that I use to do that. To see how they can help you on your latest project, check out all their tools, including Sapphire and Mocha Pro, at borisfx.com. Also, if you want to read this interview with great visual support, go to aotc.borisfx.com slash art-of-the-cut. That site also has other great filmmaking content, so keep that bookmarked. And now my discussion with Monica Villi about the editing of Tar. Thank you for inviting me to this beautiful format. I listened to some of your podcasts. And I know that you have a book out there, which is very important to all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I watched the film last night and loved it. It's very powerful and it's beautiful. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was I noticed that you are an award-winning documentary filmmaker. Are there any skills or any muscles that you work as a documentarian or a documentary editor that you can bring into narrative? Yes, I think the thing that is important to bring in is really the obligation to watch the entire, the whole material. I mean, not in a negative way, but not trust decisions that have been made on set, saying this is a good one, this is a bad one, stuff like that. Because the reception on set differs very often to the reception in the editing room and what is valued for the film. And so this is the one thing other than being very open to what the story could be, where it goes to, because with documentary, the film is much more created during the editing process than usually a feature film. I mean, I also worked on feature films that are really created in the cutting room, but being open and see what possibilities do we have to tell the story. 
I love that. This film has a very unique opening. Can you talk to us about the discussion around how to open it, even to the point of running the credits <laughs> kind of before the movie? Yes, this was a decision made by Dot, the director Dot Field, as many decisions have been made by Dot in this case. We had a placeholder for that. It was maybe to calm people down, to have this concentration to prepare for what is coming, to reflect on the little scene that has been shown before. So this was always meant to be a long sequence before the long interview with Kopnik starts. At the beginning and at the end of the, at the opening, you were talking about that interview. There's a shot of the back of a woman's head from the back of the auditorium. Was that also at the beginning? It was also at the beginning, yeah. It's the redhead. It's Krista. Wow. So that brings up an interesting point. I figured that out, and I'm sure many audience members did, but it's not pointed out. It's not explained. Can you talk to me about the value of that? Yeah, but this is the way Todd Field is working, which is an, a very appreciated way to work for me, is to not explain the things, show it, leave the reflection to the audience, leave the answers to the audience, and have also knowing that there is a variety of answers and the variety of feelings that might come with that, but not put it down or settle it down to a very simplified answers, questions and answers. That's very interesting. Do you think that that is a more European style of filmmaking than an American <laughs> style? <laughs> I got a laugh out of you. There you go. <laughs> that might be. I remember the moment where we showed the film also in, in LA and there was one remark, one person saying, this is like a very European film. And I think that was not unhappy to hear this. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the things I, I love talking about in editing is actually brought up in the narrative of this film, which is that Lydia Tarr, who is the protagonist, she's the main character in the film, she mentions several times to different people that the way that you know how to conduct a piece of music is to understand the intent of the conductor. And I feel like that's very true in editing. The way to know how to edit a piece of film is to understand the intent behind the script, the intent of the scene. Can you talk about how maybe your understanding of intent helps you in editorial? I think that we editors have the tendency to explain a lot of decisions by saying it was my intuition and it was my feeling and it was my belly answering that. I mean, in German, we say it's a belly. I don't know if this is true in, in English. True. Yeah. Thelma Schoonmaker says you edit from your gut. Yes. And it's true, but still your gut has to be fed and your intuition has to be fed and you have to know something about the characters you tell a story about and maybe in the best possible way, you have to know something about the world and you have to know something about relationships and you have to know something about people. And this is all the reason why you can work intuitively. I mean, it has to be there. Editing is a very physical work to me because you have to absorb and watch the material over and over and over again. And you really have to let it into your body and your brain but also your stomach and your guts and everything and you have to react on this and this is very often a 
really physical reaction. That's very interesting. The physicality of editing was much more apparent when we were editing on flatbeds and moviolas, a little less on computers. Do you edit standing up by any chance? Do you physically feel like you need to be like a violinist? <laughs> I, yes, I didn't do it on this film because I thought it was mostly or more or less always present in the cutting room. But what I do it when I'm working alone, then I'm standing up, stepping back, really also in my own editing room, I have a, a projector, a, a beamer. I go on big size and I really try to feel it physically. Also on this film, we worked a lot on the audio up to recording Foley's on our own. So to really know what is the sound like, especially with Lydia Tarr, who is such a theme person, but also sound. Yeah, there's several places in the film where little sounds bother her. She's in her car and the air conditioner is like fluttering or something and it distracts yes. her. Or she yes. wakes up in the middle of the night hearing a buzz. She's very affected by sound. She's very affected by sound, yes. And to feel this and to have to build up the right soundscape, that needs sometimes to step back, to stand up and really feel it physically. Mm. Many scenes in this film, to me, felt like they went by the old screenwriting rule of get in as late as possible and get out as early as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Can you think of specific scenes where you kind of were going by that rule? Did you cut things in editorial that were scripted to give more of that compactness to a scene? I mean, I must say that the script is really, really precise. And the shoot was really, really precise. So we didn't invent the film in the editing room. This is a kind of a movie that was really thought of before. And we had some minor changes, smaller stuff where we really put around scenes. But else, this is a very, very precise script. And so is the shooting. It's also to the rule that Haneke says sometimes that a beloved director I work with a lot, uh, hold it as long until it hurts and then a bit longer. <laughs> I love that advice. One of the things that I was also very cognizant of is there's very little, and I know this is kind of a negative term, shoe leather. You don't see people coming in and out of doors. You don't see them entering and exiting. But sometimes you do. When are those points where you feel like a character needs to come into the room and there needs to be space? When you want to pinpoint the character. So when you want to show that a specific person, someone is entering the space of someone else, maybe when Lydia is entering the office of her second conductor, Bastian, for example, then you see her walking in because it's not intruding I mean, she has the right to go there, but for him, it feels like intruding someone going to his space. So it always has to have a meaning if you show people coming in and leaving a space. Yeah. The other places I can think of where we see an entrance, and they're only noticeable to me because the other scenes, you come in almost midstream on so many of them, is, of course, when Lydia comes home, with her luggage and she's dragging her luggage into the house. That's obviously one of them. It gives you a story. It's telling you something about her house. It's telling about the emptiness. 
I think in this case, when she comes home, it's really to show what her home is, to give the viewer the possibility to feel and to see where she is living, what the circumstances are before she makes a bad joke to her partner about the electricity that she's conserving or spending. Yeah. And another one, oftentimes she goes into board meetings or meetings and you start with her sitting down. You don't show her coming in, but there are at least, I think at the end, when she finally meets the board, things are unraveling, you see her come in to the room. Yeah, because we are very much with her at this point. This is really, we see her life collapsed in a way. She now has to be confronted with the board and she knows this will be a difficult one. So we see her approaching and then we see her gaze and then we see the gazes of all the other people of the board and then we cut out because everything is told. If you don't understand it in that very moment, then you understand it a few minutes later or a few fragments of the film later. So there is no need to tell more of the story. And it's all about her being with her, feeling what's the load on her, feeling how messed up her life is mm -hmm. and going with these feelings together with her there. I mean, these are always the most terrible moments. If you know you have to go somewhere, the way there is mostly the hard thing. And once it starts, it starts, and then you can argue and, or you don't have, but the, but the most difficult moments for human beings is the way. And in this case, we show it. In other moments, when there is a surprise, we don't have to show it because difficult moments are within a meeting. That's another scene where we don't show the way there because she's just going there and not knowing what's coming up. But at the end, we know or we can guess what's coming up. So the way is the heavy part. What you said about the tightness of the script, the precision of the script, I'm assuming that that scene where she goes into the board and they turn around and look at her, that there's nothing shot of what happens in that board meeting. It is shot. It is shot? Yeah. But you chose to remove it. We chose to remove it because it's not necessary to show it. Because it's all explained in her going there, looking at the people, the people looking at her, and then the next cut. Where she's sitting the last time in the auditorium and being in her beloved room, knowing that she probably will never come back. But she mm. will come back. <laughs> but it's fascinating to me that this confrontation that happens was written and shot. And I'm assuming you edited it at one point and then at some other point decided with Todd to cut it out. Yes, right. Because we tried to get rid of everything which is unnecessary, which is just unnecessary fat which shows things that you understand otherwise and to never explain things in a broader sense but leave it to the audience for the reception yeah yeah i completely understood what happened it's amazing that they shot that confrontation and that you cut it out but you're right it's unnecessary as soon as you see the board turn around to face her you're like all right i know what's going to happen in this scene so why show it if the audience already knows it that is so interesting. It's also kind of brave, I have to say. 
oftentimes editing is referred to, and I definitely felt this in this film, that it's an invisible art. You don't feel the edits. You don't notice them. They're silent. The editing is very careful and deliberate, and there's not a lot of fast editing in this film. But every once in a while, an edit, I think, is made to have an impact. Would you agree with that? That sometimes the edit itself is part of the storytelling, the cut. Yes, I would mm -hmm. agree to that. I mean, it's in the so-called invisible art, but sometimes this is the power of, of the hard cut, that there's the rare other means to show a heavy impact on a person. Might it be a, an outer event or just a feeling? The place where I noticed a cut, which is coming out of the Wikipedia page, this Wikipedia page is being edited. And I think there's some audio that's going on underneath of it. You're hearing an interview. And in the middle of the interview or the middle of the audio, we cut to street noise and a tar walking, I think. No, it's not tar walking. It's her assistant, Francesca, mm. bringing her the clothes from the other side of the street to her Carlisle hotel room. Here it shows something that might go on. But this is really a time cut, mm -hmm. whereas some other hard cuts are there to make the impact that an action or a sentence has stronger on the person. One of the other things I want to talk about is, and you alluded to this, is when do you let the audience know something and when do you hide information from the audience? And one of those places that I felt that was happening was there's an audition for a cellist and there's five or six people in a room and they all have notebooks to be able to write down what they thought of the performance of the cellist and the whole thing is played on essentially on reaction shots it's not on the cellist who's doing the audition and then eventually we see why can you talk about that holding back from the audience information until the right time in this scene you're talking about, it's all about the reception of the musicians by the people in the board to judge on them. Up to the point where we see that Lydia Tarr has a specific reaction to one of the players when she realizes it's Olga, the one person that she just met in the toilet. It has to show that it's all about the music that they're playing and all about their performance. And it's not about the people who are there. So we need to learn how they are listening, how they are receiving. So let me point out for those who haven't seen the film is the truth of the scene is that they don't want to be biased by knowing who the cellist is. So the cellist is playing behind a screen so that they can't say, oh, this is a man, we want to hire a man, it's a woman, she's of a certain ethnicity or race. The visual of the person performing is being hidden from the judging board. But you don't even know that at the beginning of the scene. You wait to reveal that the auditions are blind. Right. This is the reality of auditions. And yeah, it makes it much stronger to wait with this information until the very end. I agree. I just thought that's one of those instances of when do you reveal something to the audience? As late as possible. <laughs> as late as possible. I love that. There are a few scenes of the orchestra in rehearsal for a big recording. 
with a new cellist. And the scene relies heavily on reaction shots. Things are being revealed. And instead of being on Lydia, who's basically talking, you're looking at people in the orchestra reacting. Can you talk about those reaction shots and the strength of a reaction shot as opposed to showing it on the person who's speaking? I mean, in this particular scene you're referring to, it's all about the new cellist. And what we wanted to tell is how does the one person feel who usually should have this role and how do the other orchestra members feel it. And this is what it is all about, to see what the dynamics that's going on within the orchestra and also maybe the mistakes or the bad actions that Lydia has taken. The effect of her decisions are much more interesting in that very moment than her own, because we know about her decisions or we suppose that we know it. So it's not so important to show it. It's more important to see what the effect is and deduct from that what possible future things might happen because of that. Mm. Lydia is doing something that's unconventional and outside of protocol. All of the orchestra members realize the kind of insult that this is having. It's a powerful scene. There's also a lot of footage of these rehearsals where Lydia is speaking and there's also music. The orchestra's performing and Lydia's performing. Can you talk about the difficulty of cutting not just music with dialogue, but performed music in a space that has to, to be edited with dialogue? I mean, the fabulous thing with this film is that Kate Blanchett was really directing live, that they played it all live, that this was really happening on stage and they shot it with few cameras, multiple angles. Dot never wanted it to be kind of a stylish cinematic experience, but more like the videos that we know from rehearsals, that we know from performances. It's more a documentary style of those rehearsals. It was quite a challenge because of course there are different takes cut it together so that rhythmically it fits together and from the language it fits together and from the acting it fits together. I was on set during these rehearsals and I cut it simultaneously to see if we catched everything. So he invited me to be part of the team while shooting those scenes. And were you dealing with a direct line feed or were you getting stuff a couple hours later from a camera card? My assistant, Andrea, she really ran between the set and the cutting room and I got it, let's say, 30 to 60 minutes later. I got the material to really be in time to see if we caught everything. Music and editing to me are very similar things. They both deal with rhythm and pacing and tone and dynamics. Did you feel that comparison strongly while you were cutting this, the musicality of editing? Yes, I mean, this is something which accompanies us on a daily basis. It's all about the musicality and be it a very hard scene 
on the street, it's the center of editing is the musicality. I know that the word rhythm is very hated by a lot of people, by a lot of editors, especially because they don't want to be reduced to rhythm, but it's musicality is a more beautiful word and a dry scene on the street has its own musicality too. So it's all about that. And of course, in this film, we had the wonderful challenge to even deal with music whereas all the rest is musicality too. It's interesting that you say that editors feel like rhythm is a bad word because they don't want to be reduced to a rhythm. I never went to film school. I, I started to work directly after school. I know that all my colleagues who went to film schools, they get really allergic to the word <laughs> rhythm. <laughs> Because it's so difficult to describe what we do and what our work is. So a lot of other people describe our job to finding the right rhythm and they really hate it. Yeah, it's reductive. But the interesting thing is at the very beginning of this film, in the interview, the interviewer who's interviewing Lydia, it feels like he's insulting her by saying that part of her job is just rhythm, timekeeping. Keeping time. Keeping, keeping time. time. And she says... You know, that's true, but a lot of it is keeping time. So <laughs> she says it's no small thing. That's right. <laughs> keeping time. Yeah, this is true. This is part of our work. And I think personally, it's a beautiful part of our work. I just know that the word rhythm should be avoided. <laughs> I completely understand. Me personally, I understand, I think, the intent of every scene that was in the film that was left. There's a reason for it, that there's a purpose behind it. It's either revealing character or it's giving you some part of the story or emotion. Were there considerations of cutting specific scenes out and things that maybe you took out and then realized that they were better put back in? The film on itself would be much longer. What we did is cut out all the unnecessary scenes which distract, especially in the last third from the way down of Lydia. We did cut out a lot of stuff for smaller, minor stuff, but once we decided the things that had to, to go, they went. Mm -hmm. Was it possible to move scenes around? Did you find that there were opportunities in the arc of the story that you could move things? And did that happen? Yes, it did happen, but mostly, I mean, this is such a strong story that it's really built in one flow. It's very stringent, as we say in German. I don't know if this is in English. No, that it's a string, that it's a line. Yeah, it has a strong logic in it. It is happening. It is what we shuffled around our nights that she's sleepless, our runs that she's doing. We did shuffle around some scenes, but no major scenes. Some of the scenes with the orchestra must have had a lot of takes and coverage, but many scenes felt like the coverage might have been very minimal. Some are essentially oneers. Is that the way that they were shot, or is it just the wonderful feel I got from your editing that <laughs> the scene was inevitable? <laughs> there are scenes which are shot only in oneers, like the long scene with Max in the 10 minute scenes with the student. Oh, yeah. This is shot only as a oneer. But there are also scenes like the rehearsal at home with Olga, the new cellist. 
which are shot in runners, but also shot with coverage. But then we decided that the runners are more effective and more powerful. And it shows better the development within the scene. So this real life, real time feeling is something that is very, very powerful with runners. And it's better if it's not cut apart. Mm -hmm. I have talked to a lot of people about the fact that I, at least as an editor, anytime there's an edit, I feel like there's a little bit of a lie <laughs> that we've introduced an untruth. And when you see the scene play out from beginning to end, it feels somehow more truthful, but I'm always worried as an editor that it's boring. You know, <laughs> like I'm just sitting on this one shot the whole time, but I think it's more truthful. It is truthful if it's acted well enough, yeah. Mm, great point, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very good point. I mean, I know so many films of young filmmakers or older filmmakers who try, I mean, this is really an art and you need, to have it scripted in the right way, but you also need the actors to be able to play it and to act it. You need the cinematography that is able to hold it. I mean, yeah. this is so easily said, a wonder, but wonders get incredibly fast boring if the content is not strong enough. Mm -hmm. The scene you were talking about with the cellist when they're rehearsing, there's so much visual interest there. And the composition of the frame is so interesting. And the blocking, right? That's another thing is we start out with Lydia in the foreground and the cellist is in the midground, and then they switch places and then Lydia goes to the far background and there's a lot of movement that keeps your interest. And that also acts as the rhythm of the scene too. Yeah, and initially you follow Lydia and all the, the changes, the switches in her I don't know, mood is not the right word, but what's going on with her from being really enthusiastic about this rehearsal to the point where the young cellist is going a step too far in telling her what her composition should be like. All those changes and how she's acting this and how she, this develops is really a beautiful example. And of course, it's brilliantly acted. So even if it's a small part of the frame, you can stay on it because it's so mesmerizing how she's doing that so that you can stay on it. I think there are little actors that are able to perform this way that it has your full attention. I have another, I think it was a one I wanted to talk about it, whether there was any coverage was a high-speed car ride and the whole thing is played, I think, out of the back seat, looking at the passenger instead of the driver. Yes, because in this very moment, it's all about Sharon, the partner of Tar, and it was shot that way. So we didn't have options to cut. This is a wonder. This is a very, very good wonder where Kate Blanchett was driving the car herself. Really? I mean, it's a stunt. She's like almost crashing into people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And it's also very interesting to me, and I love the scene, and I understand what the intent was is how the scene ends and the dynamic between them and the anger and all of this stuff. But it's essentially a car chase. You would think there would be edits throughout that whole thing. But it was placed, like you said, the whole point was the partner's perspective. 
the Burton perspective and the moment to realize what she is doing to her. Because so far in the film, there was little to show what effect Lydia's actions do have the partner. And mm. in this very moment, it's clear that she realizes a few things about the new cellist, but also her power games. And it's all about slowly getting to know that Sharon is realizing what Tara is doing and what effect her actions do have on other people. And so, because we know as viewers already what she is doing, but Sharon wasn't involved very much to that point. So this is the moment of truth somehow for her. Was there a scene in the film that was particularly difficult for you to edit that you had to go back to time and time again to get it right? There were some scenes which are not longer in the film, which is very often the case. If something is very difficult, then it is a sign that there is something wrong or that it doesn't fit into a movie, which has been where there is a lot of effort to do it right, it was kind of a nightmare scenario. As I must say, it was very, very joyful ride together with Todd to go through the material and then to see how we really could work out the essence of the film and get rid of everything which is not the essence of the film. What were those moments that the two of you celebrated where you were happy with the scene? I'm very proud of the rehearsal scenes because I think they work well and it's a lot of effort. I think with this film, it's the overall pace and the overall precision that I'm proud of. I -hmm. think it's sharp and that was the aim. I hope so. That is exactly how I would describe the editing of this film. Sharp and deliberate and considered. Thank you so much for joining me. I think I've got all my questions answered. Thank you so much for doing that. Okay. Bye, Monica. Excellent work. Bye. Thank you. That's it for Out of the Cut this week. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you'd prefer to read this interview with visual support and clips and trailers, head on over to aotc.boriseffects.com dot com slash art dash of dash the dash cut where there's a ton of great expert content for filmmakers of all types also check out my book art of the cut conversations with film and tv editors for a topic driven curated look at the craft of editing thanks to our guest monica villi thanks to jake gum for editing today's podcast and also to our partners boris effects and to our sponsor jump desktop be sure to check them out at borisfx.com and jumpdesktop.com slash cut. I'm Steve Hallfish. Thanks for listening, and please tell all the editors and filmmakers that you know that they should subscribe right here for more great Art of the Cut interviews every week.